Welcome to In This Case, a podcast from Hilti that goes behind the scenes at one of the most iconic brands in the world of construction. We'll talk to the people who make it all happen and ask them who, how, what if, and of course, why. Here's your host, Ali Hernandez. Despite leading other industries in GDP growth, the construction industry lags when it comes to productivity and profitability gains. In fact, profit margins continue to hover around 2%, a tenth of what other industries experience. So what are leaders in construction doing to address these persistent challenges? They're doing what they do best. They're building. They are building technologies and solutions that are accelerating the pace of progress. The rise of so many technological innovations is prompting many in the industry to call this moment a construction renaissance. This season, we will touch on a few of the technologies that are changing the shape of the construction industry. On today's episode, we'll dig into building information modeling, how it started, how it took root, and how it changed the way we build. Building information modeling, more commonly known as BIM, is one of the first digital technologies to revolutionize the designing and building process. BIM is a very revolutionary technology. I don't think it always gets credit for that because if you think about our work, right, we need to have information that we can use for our calculations, whether they're structural calculations, energy calculations, cost calculations, etc. You can't do anything there without information. I'm Martin Fischer. I'm a professor of civil and environmental engineering at Stanford University, and I also direct the Center for Integrated Facility Engineering there at Stanford. Dr. Fisher was one of the first structural engineers to apply digital modeling to construction in the late 1980s, when the technology was in its infancy. But his curiosity around better organizing building information began much earlier. It actually really started when I was uh, a boy, like in um, second grade, uh, helping my dad uh, who was in construction in Switzerland, measure old buildings because he was in renovating uh, commercial spaces. And uh, there I just realized the importance of good information and uh, how tough it was to get good information, especially on existing buildings and how much effort it was how much, and how often we would have to go back because we forgot something. That sort of put something in my mind as I then became a student of civil engineering and eventually started work myself. And the first project that, that really pushed me over the edge to then get into BIM was a bridge project I worked on in Rhode Island. And um, there it was just crazy. I thought, this can't be the situation that every project faces. Discussion between design and construction was just really slow and incomplete and acrimonious. I, I thought that we could make such a better project if we had better information. But I would every day have to fight to fight the information that I needed. And most of the time I couldn't find all of it. So I had to just work with assumptions, which then yeah, sometimes I was right, sometimes I was wrong. And I was not the only one. I was not just because I was a young engineer. I saw everybody in the office doing it. And so sort of that those earlier reflections and then that experience on the project said, okay, there has to be a better way. The inefficiencies Dr. Fisher and his colleagues faced in the early 80s that dated back to the days of his father led them all to search for a better way to work. It's important to remember the period we are talking about. There was not a lot of technological precedent. 
it wasn't until the late 80s that people could play a video game at home instead of going to the arcade. And in the late 1980s, only 15% of American households even had a personal computer. So given the technological landscape of the time, what did Dr. Fisher envision when he considered how to bring together all the information required to build a model? My vision was is I should have, like I have a, a spell checker in Word, I should have a constructability checker in BIM because I was a structural engineer and I would get feedback. Hey, Martin, you know, that design may work theoretically, but we can't build it. So do it again. And so that was my vision that, um, and for that you needed like a BIM, right? Something like a BIM. Again, we didn't call it BIM at the time. There were 3D modeling tools out there. They were very expensive. You had to buy silicon graphics machines. So I had seen the first uh, 4D modeling tool connecting 3D and, and time. So you could see how a project unfolds. And uh, so that was a that was the tool we had in the early days in the 90s that, you know, actually worked. Uh, Frank Gehry was also working with something like BIM using CATIA um, from the aerospace sector. So there's a, the fish sculpture, I don't know if you've seen it, at the harbor in Barcelona that Frank Gehry designed for uh, the Barcelona Olympics in 92. So that was, uh, to my knowledge, the first project that was done fully in 3D because they didn't have time to make drawings and then make mistakes from them for complicated structures. And I thought, okay, that's the future. Like that future made sense to me, right? So then we were able to deploy, personally, I was able to deploy with a grad student, a 4D modeling approach on uh, the renovation, reconstruction of the San Mateo County Health Center, which was the public health center in San Mateo County. And it had to be rebuilt while fully operational. So that was a very, very complex project, of course. Um, and that's where we could uh, sink our teeth into uh, in, in 93, 94, to see what we can do with BIM. And even then, with the clumsy and expensive technology, it provided great, great value by basically finding many, many conflicts in the design um, between the different disciplines. And then actually creating the construction strategy that truly worked for the client and for the project team. So there was yeah, lots of improvements we were able to make because people were able to see the same thing and react to it. And we had much faster cycles of finishing the design and, and, and making a construction plan that worked. And this was the start of the future. The adoption of BIM increased in the mid-1990s as computing technology and data storage advanced. And the industry saw more examples of how BIM could help projects finish on time and in budget. By the early 2000s, Dr. Fisher and his colleagues who had dreamed of this digital future of building were seeing their dream come to fruition. BIM was becoming the standard bearer for designing and modeling every building, not just complex designs like Frank Gehry's. By 2008, BIM was the differentiating technology for contractors, which meant companies were rapidly training staff to be able to execute BIM. Trevor Owen experienced this ramp up as a young project manager. I'm Trevor Owen, the BIM product manager for Hilti North America. My senior year of college, we won this contract at this massive project in New Orleans. It's the VA hospital in New Orleans. It was a joint venture between Clark and McCarthy. And they called our office saying, hey, where's your uh, where's your BIM person? They need to be in these meetings every week. And we we're like, okay, um, we need to figure out what BIM is. 
And uh, our vice president, um, again, he really believed in in the future and uh, in me. I really, I, I wouldn't be here uh, really if it wasn't for him. Um, he gave me massive opportunities. And he's like, Trevor, you're pretty good with our computers and phones and, and stuff. Why don't you give this BIM thing a go? And so we literally Googled Revit training in New Orleans. And we happened to find this guy uh, who lived in the neighborhood behind our office. So we paid for him to come train me for a week at our office, sit with me, and I learned how to like draw conduit and life fixtures and Revit for this billion dollar hospital, <laughs> drawing miles, miles of cable train conduit. Trevor's boss, like Dr. Fisher, knew digital modeling was the future of construction. After graduating from college, Trevor went full time and started managing BIM projects. But just as Dr. Fisher and his colleagues experienced technology gaps that made virtual designing clunky and cumbersome, Trevor was also using BIM in a time when cloud-based applications were not widely available and modeling software was very expensive. I was using uh, Revit MEP shortly after Autodesk acquired Revit, and uh, it wasn't even cloud-based. You would have to buy it from a thumb drive from Autodesk, and that thumb drive I used to call it the most expensive thumb drive in the world um, because it was metal. It had a metal casing around it, but that's the thumb drive you'd stick into your computer to install the latest version of uh, Revit and Navisworks. And that flash drive, I think at the time, cost $14,000. And (laughs) yes, I would have to keep that flash drive under lock and key, and we would hand it around, pass around the office to a few BIM people that we had, and uh, and then put it back in the safe, really. Um, so those are the early days of Revit. You know, the, the collaboration was more internal because, again, it was not so cloud-based. It was before BIM 360 existed and collaboration for Revit existed. So you had a VPN to a server somewhere to our office using linked models that were linking into their VPN. So it was just the infrastructure of using BIM at the time was super complicated. And yet BIM exploded. Trevor's customers were realizing what BIM meant for their productivity. Less rework, more accurate material purchasing, and safer buildings. And the realization of these benefits led customers to think differently about how they measured the value of BIM. Their processes were improving and their team members were completing more tasks in less time thanks to digital layouts and eventually prefabrication. I would say uh, there's tangible intangibles that we really benefited from the most. Like we were just safer Um, We were more productive when it rained on site rather than having to turn like guys home and send them home because the site was closed. We could bring them into our shop to do some fabrication work. It was a big process improvement. I mean, it's it's so hard to tell because we truly believe in the new way of working that it immediately became part of our DNA. I don't know if we had time to stop and think like, what's the ROI? It was just like, yeah, we're doing this. Because at the time too, that's when the labor shortage started to really hit the industry. You know, going through 2008 downturn and still coming out of that, um, it gave us a time to rethink processes. And for a lot of customers, seeing was believing. I would use the currency on the job site, which is lunch. And I'd say, hey, if I get done with my layout before lunch, like I'll buy you lunch. And so I got done way before lunch with all the layout that I was supposed to do that day. I was packing up the truck to go back to the office. And he was like, wait, 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 where where are you going? What are you doing? So in real time, we were experiencing change. The availability of cloud-based software made it easier for Trevor to prove BIM's value. Building information modeling was changing the workflow as multiple disciplines collaborated on and shared information into the same digital blueprint. As Dr. Fisher recalls, BIM changed the game of construction. 
which meant if subs and contractors didn't want to adopt this new method of working, they really couldn't play the game. The general contractors in the early 2000s, again, realized that they didn't only have to coordinate the work in the field, that they also had to coordinate the digital work. So they had to become, you know, coordinators of the virtual production of the digital production of the work and then the physical production. And they started to realize the benefits you get when you coordinate the work first digitally. That uh, led to then around here, contractors being a little frustrated with clients because um, they saw the benefits that BIM brought to the projects, but they said, we can never fully realize them or we don't even know what it is because on every project, uh, the client hires one or two subs that don't want to play along. You know, of course, it was still very mixed. Some people were on top of the technology, others less so. And so then uh, they were able to convince one of the major healthcare providers in the country to say in 2004, okay, guys, if you want to work on this medical office building, you will work in 3D. You will share your 3D and you will also use lean management methods. Otherwise, don't don't show up. This is the game you're playing. And, uh, and then they were able to compare that project with other projects. Dr. Fisher and his colleagues made the technology for building information modeling possible. But now that people and processes had to adapt to make BIM a tool that could address the persistent challenges pressuring the industry. So I think that has been one of the age-old struggles of all of construction. Uh, You know, that's why you see the famous McKinsey uh, productivity graphs where agriculture is above construction as far as productivity gains and, and manufacturing is way above construction. But construction uses people and processes and that we're building the same way since we have for the past <laughs> hundreds of years and when technology is changing every year um, but our mindset and the processes and the contract delivery methods are not that's where we have fundamental differences i think some people have the aspirations and desires to change um, and to adopt to, the, to those technologies but um, in the end if it's not being managed well or enforced, then they're just going to be building the same way, but with faster, prettier technology. (laughs) No project or very few projects are done by one person. So there's always different disciplines, there are many different people. So we need to communicate with each other about it. And in the past, my father always had to enter information into various systems. And um, BIM is the first technology in the thousands of years of history of construction that allows you to combine both. Everything has to come along. The contracts have to evolve. There has to be more collaboration and open-mindedness and trust. Uh, It's kind of the the most expensive seven words in the industry are, this is the way we've always done it. And we didn't believe in that. Dr. Fisher's spell checker for designing buildings has come a long way. We have moved from the conceptualization of BIM in the late 1980s to the adoption of it in the early 2000s. And today, BIM is a key part of construction projects. Hilti is proud to play a role in using technologies like BIM to solve the long-standing challenges in construction and build a better future for the industry. Hilti's digital design services support customers in optimizing the entire project lifecycle, from designing to advanced layout to prefabrication. In the next episode, we will be looking at another technology that is moving the construction industry forward. Join us as we talk to roboticists and industry experts about how robots are making job sites safer and more productive. 
and how they are creating an entirely new job category. That's next time on In This Case. <laughs> 